You're listening to Intentional Optimists, the podcast for unconventional leaders, where you'll find inspiration, learn to discover and develop your own strengths, and hear from inspiring women just like you who are making a difference in their community. Who knows, you just might find yourself stepping up as the next unconventional leader right where you are. I'm your host, Andrea Johnson, the original Intentional Optimist. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 62. You know, I am a professional daydreamer. Like, I can completely visualize what life could look like if, you know, such and such would happen. I can fabulously and completely redesign, redecorate, and remodel my entire house all while laying awake in my bed at night. Anyone else out there like me? Gosh, it would be great to harness that ability to fuel my goals and dreams, to make it simpler and more clearer to see where I want to go in small things like getting stuff accomplished next week, and even in big things like where my business will be in three to four years. My friend Beth Hewitt is a natural at this. It turns out she's been able to do it since she was a small child. It might sound strange to you, but the idea that we can visualize something, then take all the steps necessary to get there is fairly solid neuroscience. We just choose to call it luck, or hard work, or getting all my ducks in a row. Beth is this amazing, smart, positive person who helps people just like you and me put practices in place, like gratitude expression and journaling, so that we too can learn to visualize and work towards our daily, weekly, and long-term dreams. And stick around, she's got a free challenge you might want to try. Here's my friend, Beth. Hey there, Beth. Welcome to the show. Hey, Andrea. Thank you for having me on the show. I am so excited. I have loved getting to know you over the past Gosh, has it been over a year? It has. It has. Um, A fellow podcaster, a fellow coach, and your story is certainly different. Uh, You are my first interview from across the pond, so that is kind of fun. And um, yeah, um, I have given interviews across the pond for some reason. People in the UK like to interview me. I don't know (laughs) if it's my accent or what, but. I have given a lot, but I've never actually interviewed anyone from the UK. So welcome. And um, I would love to give my audience a better understanding of who you are. I've already shared a little bit about you, um, but give us a little bit of your background and what you're doing right now that falls into that unconventional leader space. Sure. And, you know, with my story, which I'm sure we'll go on to tell, it's, it's really difficult to know where it starts you know Mm. I I see my whole life has kind of been that just continuum of how I've ended up being who I am today um so so today um I am a coach I'm a spiritual performance coach I'm a podcaster like you say and I really help women and some men as well go from feeling unfulfilled to really passionately living their life purpose but with clear vision and clear intention um and the reason why vision and visualization is so important to me is actually because it's something that I started doing when I was very very little um when I was just four years old when I manifested a red bouncy castle for the very first time and I've always been on this lifelong journey of you know, how can we use all of our senses to visualize and create what we want in our life? And I didn't know back then that's what I was doing as a child. I didn't know I was (laughs) manifesting. 
but we don't have any resistances when we're little we can create the you know whatever we want we can manifest yeah. pretty quickly the world is your oyster boundaries. right absolutely it's the world. Be really quick for people who don't know what manifesting means can you give us a quick little definition there so for me manifesting is about getting really clear intentionally intentionally clear on what it is that you want to show up in your life and then getting really detailed on what what that means by using scripts or using visualization or using a mixture of that but then to taking deliberate action towards that goal you know we hear a lot of these kind of airy fairy things of oh you just write it down then it'll just fall into your lap well it's not it's not about that all it's about taking action you know we've got to do the do still we've got to meet the universe halfway but you know as human beings we don't give ourselves the time to sit Mm. down and think really clearly about it, what it is that we actually do want want in life and so for me manifesting is giving us ourselves that space to do that um whether that's starting with a script or just you know using our imagination and seeing where that that takes us so that for me well and fun. for anybody who's listened to me um the that could be as simple as a quarterly or a monthly mind map of where I want to mm-hmm. be. It, it can be as simple as setting goals. And then just um, we've, we've talked before on the show and with different clients about having post-it notes up of the I am statements or um, I, my new habit statements. That's all a different way of just kind of shifting your perspective on how you mm-hmm. look at it and seeing it as something that has already happened. Right. So that yeah. you can then do the steps to get there. I'm reading a book right now called Vivid Vision. I don't know if you've read that one. Um, and that. it's by Cameron. We'll have to put it in the show notes, but it's the co-author with Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning. So, um, oh darn, I forgot it. I always do this. It's like, if I don't plan <laughs> on talking about it, I forget the name. And one of the things he talks about is it's a three-year vision and then you have to actually start putting things, you have to put things in past tense, right? I'm already here. I'm, I'm already mm-hmm. done that. So, um, so really quick, I'm very curious. Every little girl loves a bouncy house. So tell me the story really quick. I know you've shared it on your podcast, but what's the quick and dirty on the bouncy house? So I was, I was four, I was very little and petite and there was red bounty castles. I'd gone to the seaside with my mum and dad and there was these bounty castles on the, like the promenade. And I wanted to go on them, but you could see the kind of fear in my mum and dad's face of actually, she's going to get bashed about by these bigger kids, you know, these mm. 14 year olds who are just running from side to side. And I pleaded with my mum and dad to go on that. And, um, they eventually let me go on, but then their, you know, their fears were kind of fulfilled and I did get bashed about and I didn't have this very enjoyable experience. Um, but that night when I went to bed, when my dad was tucking me up in bed, I said, tomorrow I am going, and it, I was very definite, I am going on a red bouncy castle. I was very definite about the colour and that desire and that faith in that thing was so like you couldn't have knocked me off that that feeling and thought that was going to happen and that night when I went to sleep um I visualized being on that red bouncy castle and I used all the senses and what it would feel to be jumping up and down and the texture of the bouncy castle and the sounds and all all of that and just the joy and excitement of it and at some point I fell asleep um and the next day um as we were we set off home back home um and I never let go of that vision of being on the red bouncy castle and as my dad was taking shortcuts um on the way home he could never sit still on the motorway he would veer off down country roads there was in the distance this red 
image and as we got closer it became apparent that it was a, a red bouncy castle there'd been some fair or fate in the field that day and as we got closer there was my red bouncy castle and because it was at the end of the day the people were coming away from it and there was nobody else on the bouncy castle so I got to go on this massive it was a massive red bouncy castle so I've got pictures of me on it as well um and that vision was fulfilled within less than you know 24 hours mm. um and I, I put that down to one having that unwavering faith really you know get into that feeling of abundance and joy and what it would feel to to have that thing um and and just just never giving up on that that vision and using all of the mm. senses to really develop that and not having any boundaries or challenges yeah. in the way as to how that might happen and so that kind of set me on the path of hmm what else can we create when we are intentional and when we create things with our yeah. imagination and that wasn't mm-hmm. like it magically appeared it was you know you it just took a little bit of time <laughs> it took a little bit of time you know but it wasn't like it just appeared out of nowhere and mm-hmm. um I-, I love that story because I think it speaks a little bit to the whimsical aspect of visualization mm-hmm. too it's being willing to say, I want this. And so when you, as you work with people in this area, um, what do you find to be the greatest obstacles for adults being able to do that for themselves? Because I know what mine are, (laughs) but what do you find to be the biggest obstacles in that area? I think, do you mean in actually sitting down and doing the, creating the vision in the first place? Yeah. I mean, mean, because it's real easy to say as a kid, I said I wanted to be on this bouncy castle and around here in the US, we call them bouncy houses. But um, but we have really elaborate ones, too. Like they have slides and they have obstacle courses and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, um, it's real easy to say, yeah, as a kid, it's real easy to do that. You haven't learned all the hard lessons. You have no you're not cynical. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't matter about money. What but what are the things that you find when people come to you, what are the biggest challenges that they have? I think it's once they create this vision, because the work that we do, we go very deep, you know, we use all of the senses and we take a long time to really paint that picture. And then we get to that place where we've got this vision and you can see the excitement on the face and how, you know, this is amazing. Where did that thought come from? You know? And so we did develop that idea and then almost straight away that kind of, yeah, but how is, that's so far removed from, right. from where I am right now. How, how is that going to happen? Um, and it could be anything, you know, everybody's bar- barriers and challenges are, are very different. It could be money. It could be time. It could be a brand new set of skills that need to be learned, whatever that is. It could be in mm. a different country. There's just so many different things, you know, the, the differences are, are, are varied. Um, so I think, but I think the first major barrier is people not giving themselves time to to do that work at all you know many people have these dreams and aspirations but haven't really gone into the minute minutia and the detail of what that would mean um mm. to bring that bring that to life in the first place before you've you know before you've ever even created the vision it's giving yourself that time and space to do that and and then being willing to say like even in that book it's like this is a three-year plan right uh-huh. this is a three-year vision But to take the time out to front load it and to think about what all the details are and understanding that it's possible, I guess, that some of those details need to be a little flexible. But um, I think it's real easy for us to get caught in the, but I can't see it here and I can't Uh see the path and I can't do that. Um, And that's kind of the work that you do, right? Do you mostly work with entrepreneurs or 
yeah it's mostly entrepreneurs now that I work with and that makes complete sense because like my past I mean we've not really talked about my career at oh all, we're gonna actually, get but, there <laughs> but um you know right before I was working for myself I was managing business support programs up and down the country in the UK and so I was working with entrepreneurs you know from small up to medium and you know big size businesses so um it made sense that I would fall back into that space but it took me a long time to fuse those two together because as a spiritual entrepreneur myself and me moving into more of these I don't know like you say like more mystical you know mm -hmm. oracle cards and visualization and the law of attraction it was so far removed from the co my corporate hat world sure. that it took me a while to merge those two together but I've been blown away you know as I continue to put myself out there as who I am at my core which is the work that I do with my clients, the people that are coming to me who are people who I've known for a long time, who, who I would never have thought had that spiritual side to them. But I guess you just never know, you just never know, you know, mm. who's watching and listening and, and who is, you know, that yeah. also that way as well. It's amazing. So, yeah. Well, and I think it's important too, to understand that every, every one of us has a message that mm -hmm. we share from our own perspective and we, the reason we share it, I mean, it might be that you and I both help people reach their goals. We do it in different ways, or we do mm -hmm. it with different language because they need to hear different language. And I think that's the beauty of entrepreneurship, I think. Um, and whether or not you're a coach or however you are a consultant or how you work with clients, I think that's part of the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that you actually get to use your own voice. And, um, you know, I'm really kind of figuring out my own as well and stepping into that even more and being willing to say, I work with people who are looking women, especially who are looking to, to, in your language, manifest a mission, right? A mission that they have that is so important to them. And I hear that that's what yours is. This is, you've found it, you're working on it and you're, um, you're moving into it even in greater strides yeah. every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So, so as we, since this, we are talking about leadership, you are definitely a leader. You lead yourself, you lead others, you have a podcast, you have clients, and I would love to go ahead and go back into, you mentioned a little bit of your corporate. Um, maybe let's talk all the way back your earliest, you've talked about your earliest manifestation memory. How about your earliest leadership memory? Like, the first thing that you kind of took on yourself, if that was, um, and this could incorporate some of your, your career history, but what do you think is the earliest that you realized, you know, mm, I think that was a leadership moment. Um, again, I think it's difficult because of the, the long, the long and winding road, but I do remember, um, one particular time. So I was in a job I worked in policy and governance for about eight years. Um, and it was a brand new role that had been created um and so it was like a part-time role that I moved into and I soon found out not long after that that it was one of the first jobs in the country that was you know dealing with this new piece of government legislation that had come out that needed to happen and so all of a sudden I was kind of the the local authority I was working for was seen as you know the trailblazer as having this function within their organization and so my manager kept putting me forward to go speak at this conference or speak at this conference and I was like what where's you know like I'd got like a six-month-old baby I'd just come off maternity leave and now I was doing like a part-time job and now I was like speaking at Earl's Court in London and talking about uh you know talking at the center of public scrutiny or these crime and disorder or you know all these different conferences and I was like 
I would find myself in these rooms and have these people looking at me for all the answers. And I was like, I'd only like come up with some of the answers like last week. It was just like, <laughs> it was just like crazy. I, ne- the thing with like government, government, government and guidance and things like that is that there's never really clearly defined framework sometimes. And sometimes it's up for interpretation. And I, you know, as a young, I don't know, I must've been 24, 25. Oh, wow. Um, you know, to be then in front of these who I thought they were the leaders and yet I was sat on panels giving, you know, advice on things. I was like, you know, inside I'm going, hmm, am I really the person that should be doing this? But there was nobody else doing it in the country. So I was just thrust upon. And my manager used to do it all the time. She used to just put me in these situations that, you know, I wouldn't, looking back now, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't have put my staff in that position. And I, I don't know whether it's because she didn't want to do it herself. And so she was throwing me into the fire. I don't know. Maybe she was just throwing me into the fire. We're going to say she believed in you. I th- <laughs> she believed in you. We're going to go done. there. <laughs> she must have believed in me. But yeah, there were times, you know, when you look back and go, why on earth did she not do that? Why, you know, why was mm. she thrusting this 24 year old, you know, completely fresh, completely new to this sector into these situations? But I'm glad that happened. You know, I'm glad Good. I was pushed out of my comfort zone and I'm glad that, you know, I was allowed to do that. So that is one of my first, I would go, yeah, I think I'm a leader because there's all these people physically looking at me, you know, and asking <laughs> from. My physically. work and my guidance. Yeah, like, you know. <laughs> I love that they're physically looking at me. Oh, and... just like they're like, oh my God, I need to deliver the goods today. Kind of thing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Did you carry your daughter along with you? No, no, no. Um, I mean, she would have been like, six, I mean, that would have been too much. I think she was, at, you know, at the childminders or whatever she was or with my mobile or something like that. But yeah, crazy, crazy time. So this seems to have shaped your leader mind a little bit because it, showed you you can be a leader and you are a leader right <laughs> whether you think yeah. you know what you're talking about or not yeah I, I would say so definitely I think it it gave me that confidence to go you know actually I can stand up in front of people and I can talk and I can prepare and I can do some slides and um people are receptive to what I'm saying so there must be something in what I'm doing it just gives you that confidence to do that so mm. yeah it definitely shaped me um as a leader definitely So I do want to go to your winding road here because I want people to hear the story. And what we'll do is if you will give it to me afterwards, I will link to your podcast episode where you give this whole story because it was, it was pivotal for me. You know, I just left my 25 year career Mm -hmm. and I'm a full-time entrepreneur and to have someone who I could listen to, to give their story that sounded nothing like mine <laughs> that gave me permission to say it doesn't have to be like this yeah. um, was liberating. And even though it, there are differences between in the UK quitting a job and in the US quitting a job, there are some major differences. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, we don't have the security of health insurance without an employer. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge topic right now because it's open enrollment <laughs> in the fall here in, in the U S but, um, for health insurance, but tell us your story. We cut, ca- you call it your serial quitter story. Yeah. And so I, I mean, jump off at any point because it is a long and winding road and we can, we could go. Well, you can just hit the high points and maybe even just tell us how many start with the beginning I, and then kind of your mindset with it. So I, I can't remember the exact number, but it is in, in the, the podcast episode. It's either like 24 or 25 different 
different jobs that I've had, you know, <laughs> starting from the age of 13, when I was like washing dishes in a, in a pub, uh, really having these grand ideas that I wanted to be a waitress but I was like you can't be a waitress and or you couldn't be a waitress in the UK till you were 16 years yeah, old here too so, mm-hmm. so I was you know three already three years too early but I had this passion and drive and knew that I wanted to make my own way in the world and make my own money and you know that's why I was out there in the world you know my mum and dad hadn't said you need to go get a job I had that drive in me you know I wanted to make my own pennies and my own way in the world um but I was always looking for something, you know, I was always looking for something that lit me up inside and made me feel that would fulfill me. Um, I always knew as a very young child that we were on this conveyor belt of life a little bit, you know, we, we, we get the education, we get the job, we go to university, you know, we go to university, then we get the job, we get married, you know, we buy the nice house, we have babies, whatever. And then at some point we retire. And at that point we can then really enjoy ourselves. And that made absolutely no sense to me. You know, why do we have to wait so long to enjoy? And I'll tell you what, if, if anybody sits around and thinks about that, it, it will like come up with some major conflict in your brain. Uh (laughs) If you really think about that. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, it's even the people who've just retired say, why did I wait so long? Right. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. Yeah, I knew I'm- that. Yeah. So I knew that from a young age that I, and I could feel almost like I was on this depressive journey of how do I get off, off of this and how do I find my place in the world? Because I knew I, I've always knew, known I was spiritual. Um, you know, I was meditating at 10 years old. I was visualizing at four. I was using <laughs> Oracle cards, you know, 12 years old I was journaling in my teens um so I knew that the things that lit me up inside were more of the the mystical side of things of life and the educational system doesn't take doesn't allow for that you don't get taught how to do any of that at school we get taught to do all the academic stuff Mm -hmm. and so I I just where do I fit into this grand scheme It, it made absolutely no sense and so that sent me on this quest essentially of moving from job to job to job to job. Um, so I have worked in um, education, I've worked in health, I've worked in governance, project management, business support, births, marriages and deaths. Um, I've worked in chemical companies, manufacturing, banking, I've taught A-levels for a little bit. And oh, what does that mean? What is A-levels? A-levels, A-levels is like the bit after high school, the bit before university. So I don't know if you've got like a-, a So we have like degree. junior colleges maybe? Could be that, yeah. Okay. Um, so that step before you go, it's the qualifications before you go to university. Okay. Um, so, I, you know, I had a degree in social sciences and then out of the blue one day, my, my old college lecturer said, we've got an opening for a, a social science t- teacher. Would you like to do it? And that's where, and you know, that I ended up doing that for a little bit. <laughs> it was just crazy, just crazy, crazy things like that that happened. Um, and so... I was just pivoting and changing direction all of the time, always taking on new skills and new experiences. And it wasn't like I was in a new job every week. You know, some of these jobs I would have for eight years. Some of these jobs I would have three to four jobs at a time because I would work part time, freelancer. Hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes I was working full time. So it was just a real mixture of different ways of working. And um, there came a point in my uh, late to early 30s late late sorry late 20s early 30s where I was in a very dark place because I just couldn't find where I was supposed to fit and I was getting more and more depressed and anxiety set in and until one day I just physically couldn't I couldn't get out of bed anymore I couldn't do it anymore and I literally just quit my job like 
I'd wanted to quit my job for years. Um, but as you know, as a responsible adult with bills and mortgages and mouths to feed, um, and always thinking about what other what impact it would have on other people, mm. I, I just didn't have the confidence to quit properly, to quit, you know, the job that I was in at that point because it was it was paying me a really good wage. I couldn't see how I was gonna be able to find another wage of the same value at the age that I was at. And I just felt really stuck and really trapped until one day I physically couldn't do it anymore. And it was almost like something had taken over my body because hmm. um, I wrote an email to my boss and said, I'm not coming back anymore. But it, it wasn't me that was writing that. It was like somebody else was writing that because hmm. it had gone too far. Um, <laughs> and um, in doing that final what I would say that was the biggest quitting for me because there was so much on the line. I didn't have a job to go for. Uh, I didn't have a job to go to. I didn't have a way to pay my bills. Um, there was nothing basically. And, but the relief that came with that was immense. Like the mm. weight that was lifted off my shoulders. I remember going to see my mum driving up there and she was actually on the drive when I got there. It's almost like she was waiting for me, but she didn't know I was coming. And I got out of the car and I was just like in sobs of tears and, mm. Um, she was what what's the matter what's happened I was like I've quit my job and she was like excited she was like yeah she was like that's amazing congratulations you know she was like because she knew how right. sad and how miserable I'd been for so long and um, she was like this is amazing this is brilliant you can do whatever you want to do now and I knew that she was right but you know your logical brain isn't always thinking that way when you're <laughs> like what am I going to do next or no the logical brain takes over Instead uh -huh. of the possibility brain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, but I'd quit. I'd done it. I'd, and so that allowed me to get, coming back to visualization, to get really intentional about what it is that I want to do next. Mm. And I didn't know what it was. I still didn't know. I didn't know where I was heading. I knew that I wanted to work for myself. Um, but I still didn't have that confidence fully to do that. But I did know what, when you know what you don't want, you know what you do want essentially and so you can I start very, ruling things out right <laughs> yeah like I'm never going to do that again I'm never going to do that again that's that's you know there's no way that's going to show up again so that can't be a thing um and I got really intentional about my CV and you know what I was putting out into the world and I just started applying for jobs again and I got offered six I well, got six interviews in one week and I got offered I think it was two of the jobs <laughs> that week um and one of them was to manage business support programs. And but actually it wasn't. It was I'd gone for an events coordinator job because I was working part time um, on my own business. I'd got like a blogging business at that time and I was making about a thousand pounds, fifteen hundred dollars a month from blogging. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't quite enough. Um, so I thought I'll just get a part time job. So it was an mm -hmm. events job and it was about 20 thousand less than what I was earning before um so it was a massive drop but um I applied for that and when I was in the interview and talking to the interviewees I was getting all of these visions of actually I could run this like I don't want to be the events coordinator I want to run this thing I could run this thing so like in my mind I was like going yeah I could be the project manager so I was asking like questions <laughs> more about the project management side they obviously picked up on that and then they contacted me and said well, you can have the events coordinator role if you want, but we think you'd be a really good fit to manage the whole program. Would you be up for that? And that was either 
a full-time well it was a full-time position and I had to make a decision do I want to stay part-time and continue with the blogging or do I want to go full-time and so I I took the full-time position because I knew it would open doors for me in terms of working with businesses offline Mm. I was I was doing a lot of work with businesses online Mm -hmm. um all over the world but I hadn't got you know my local knowledge and infrastructure of the business support networks locally to me sure. networking so I saw it as a real good opportunity to actually make some really good connection and that's what I ended up doing um, for the next seven years I think but some of that was from a consultancy point of view so once I'd learned that and delivered a number of different programs supporting women in business supporting manufacturing businesses supporting startups pre-starts all of the all of different things um, I then left that company and went back to them on a consultancy basis which gave me revenue to be able to then start my own business basically and, and the freedom right and the freedom to do that yeah and, absolutely and in my notes here I don't know if this is something you've thought about but I go back to that 13 year old girl who was very driven to support herself mm-hmm. very driven to make your own way in the world. And I, what did I write in my notes? I said, I wonder if the confidence of starting that early, even when you couldn't be a waitress because you were still three years too early, yeah, gave you the confidence to keep trying to find what it was that was supposed to be your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that that is something that you, because you, you're at least your mom was willing to say, you can do anything, right? Um, it kind of it maybe empowered your your confidence to just keep going. Even when you were stuck in like this parental responsibility, you know, loop with this job that was sucking your soul, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it gave you the, just somewhere deep inside that confidence to say, I, I'm going to find something else and something else is available to me. Um, do, do you think that that's, have you ever thought back to that 13 year old girl and the confidence that she had? Um, I haven't really, I haven't really, I don't think I've really gone back to that point on the journey actually. So it's, it's interesting to reflect back on it. Um, now I feel, I feel like she was searching as well. Like she knew she needed to get on the track because she didn't know where she was supposed to be heading. And so she just mm. knew she needed to get on it. She needed to start that journey early yeah. because mm. It's almost like intuitively she knew that it was going to be a long road. So the sooner I get on it, do you know what I mean? Though, like the sooner I get on the road, the sooner I'll get to my destination. And even though it's taken, I mean, it has been a long time, but it's it's almost like I had to go through all of that. And in doing that, I understand people who are feeling unfulfilled, like on another level. You know, there's people I meet who've maybe been in one career. I, I seldom find people who've had as many different careers and pivots and changes as me so I I feel like I really understand them Mm -hmm. because I've done this multiple times Mm -hmm. you know that that feeling of longing and desire to find where we fit in is so deep and entrenched and is such a thread that runs out the whole of my life journey that I needed to go through all of that for me to be the most impactful leader that I can be to support other people to find their passion earlier than what I did. So Does that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you and I, we share that, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. I, I talk about, I want to give younger women or entrepreneurs the answers or the ability to find those answers faster because mm-hmm. I've gone ahead of them, right? And I'm figuring it out now and I'm going to go back and tell them. I wish that somebody had been able to tell me, but I don't know, just like you, that I would have been ready. I don't know that yeah. um, I, didn't, I didn't have the life experience. I didn't have, sometimes it's, we don't even have the disappointments we need. 
in order to, to fuel or to inform the decision, right? When we have those hardships and we have the, dis- the disappointments, even with the victories and the things that we've learned. And I love that you landed this job that taught you how to work with businesses and how to develop businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think a lot of times we, we don't realize how even the hard things that we've been through give us that ability to understand where we need to be going forward. Mm-hmm. Does that make Absolutely. sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have to take, you know, look at all of the experiences that we've had, connect the dots and see what what are the positives out of this experience. I always believe everything is a blessing in disguise. Every mm-hmm. challenge is an opportunity in disguise. And yeah, we need to reflect back on some of those things and they can give us the fuel to motivate us and go, do you know what? I can I can do this. This is actually yeah. what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. So when you stepped out into consultancy, was that you kind of stepping out fully? That was the beginning of your full-time entrepreneur journey? Yeah. So I did about six months. So when I first I set up my business and so for the first six months, I worked on a consultancy basis, basically setting up another business support program um, for the company that I just worked for, getting that up and running, getting the team in place and then stepping back. And that gave me enough revenue to actually then invest in things for my own business and decide mm. where you know that kind of thing and um the podcast you know I wouldn't have been able to start the podcast if I hadn't kind of gone down that route as well so mm. it just gave me a little bit of wriggle room financially to go mm-hmm. I can invest in this or I can't do that and uh, just play around play around a little bit in my own business so other than that a little bit of revenue that you needed what mm-hmm. were some other things you felt like you needed to kind of support you to be able to step into what I would call your mission of helping other entrepreneurs do this? Um, Was it things like your mom being really supportive or the support of these, this network, this now this local network that you have, because there's a real difference. I'm learning the difference between the online community and the local Mm -hmm. community as well. Um, What were some of the things that you felt like you really needed um, as far as support was concerned to be able to do that? I think for me, actually, the support was from myself, which sounds a bit silly, but what I mean by that is I needed to have the confidence within myself to now be visible because I think I said at the beginning of the call, merging my spiritual side with the corporate side was a big pain point for me, you know, to bring those two together. And so for me, it was about being confident. The support was me supporting myself to be visible and, you know, working on my mindset and saying, you know, you're going to have to put yourself out there now (laughs) and relying on people, you know, who I knew to, to hold me up essentially and say, you know, you're on the, you are on the right path and you are doing the right thing and um, not worrying about what other people think, because I think we do worry a lot about what people are going to say when we start doing things that are so far removed from, you know, where they think we are um, or where they think we've been kind of thing, you know, with those different hats on. So um, I would say that was, one of the first things for me to get my business off the ground was me having the confidence in myself and my own vision and who I am in the world and stepping in. That's just personal work, right? That's just Uh work that you have to do. Uh And some of it is all of that experience that we've had up until this point. And some of it is very conscious work. Mm -hmm. Um, You and I both have done some of that work. I, um, for, for very similar, um, a little bit slightly different spiritual stuff, but similar in this fact that I'm stepping out in a way that some of, some of the people from my past are probably scratching their head or (laughs) not understanding. Um, and you know, when you leave a corporate world, a lot of times, especially it's like when you're a coach, (laughs) I'm going to be a coach. People are like, what? (laughs) 
And the fortunate thing is that it's becoming much more prevalent. It's becoming um, executive coaching is becoming much more understood, um, but that's still very different from any kind of spiritual coaching or life coaching Mm -hmm. um, because it's specifically tied to metrics, outcomes, you know, a lot of that kind of thing is, but at least they're starting to understand it. So I fully get the whole business of, I needed to believe in myself. And I had somebody say to me the other day, cause if you're like me, I don't know if you do, but I get coaching. Um, and, um, I had somebody say to me, Oh, you need a hype man. And I'm like a hype man. What's a hype man. And she said, you need somebody who just reminds you that what you have to say is really worth it and that it's enough and that it's good. And so I think it's, it is important. Important. Like you I said, there were people, I mean, originally you said, well, I just needed confidence. And then as you started teasing it out, you're like, I think there were people around me that told me I was on the right path. Right. Yeah. And that actually, uh-huh. sometimes we don't recognize that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I actually think doing the work as well, like the more you do the work, it's like when you come out of those sessions and you go and it lights you up and it's like, oh my God, this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. And the more you do that, the more it reinforces the fact that you are on the right path. Um, yeah. But it comes back to taking action, doesn't it? And just doing the do and getting in there and doing washing the dishes. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'm going to transition really quick into a couple of more practical aspects of the work. Um, I love to, to talk with leaders about a principle that might be guiding their lives. So is there one kind of a personal leadership principle that helped you either step up or that kind of keeps you on track and how is it important to you and how do you apply it? Um, In terms of principles. So I always believed that everybody has the potential to be a leader and so I was always that person who would champion kind of the underdog or somebody who you know maybe didn't think of themselves in that particular role and that in a sense that helps me at the same time um, Mm -hmm. to create you know really positive teams and pulling skills and experiences from different people you know there's this I think as business owners sometimes we tend when we need help or we need to delegate responsibility or whatever we sometimes look for people that are like us but actually the magic is finding people who've got the skills that we don't have and building a network and forming a team around you so for me it's always I always look you know I would always be looking around to see actually this person has such great potential and allowing them to see that within themselves um which also could be seen a little bit selfish selfishness in a sense because I'm also trying to build the right people you know you know what I mean trying to build your own team to have those strengths but um it's just building that that right support team around you maybe selfish well but that's being a leader right uh I mean part of being a leader is having a vision and this is part of my tenets of intentional optimism encourage we talk about having that vision being able to communicate that vision to others and if if you are developing others to be on your team, they need to be able to support that mission and that vision. So, um, and the nice thing is too, you're not asking someone to be something they're not. Uh So, right. I mean, you've lived through that. Don't want to do that to anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) And the beautiful part of that is that you're then allowing people to step in and you're not trying to be everything and do everything. You're allowing other people to step in to, to shine in their own place and their own skills Mm -hmm. and their strengths. I love that. That's, that's, there's so many areas that we're like, yep, we agree. Yep. We agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I know that you, you've mentioned already that there were things you were doing all the way back to 10. Um, but if there was a one, if there was one habit or ritual that you said, this is going to keep a healthy growth mindset for me, 
because we know that we, when we want to do that, we have to have specific habits that we do. Everybody's habits are different, right? We don't have to say one habit fits all, but for you, what is that one habit that keeps you in that healthy growth mindset that consistently helps you step into that confidence? So for me, it's um, what I call scripting, which is for me, the first point part before, you know, you start stepping into visualization. Um, but when I, whenever I do scripting, um, I also use gratitude before I even write anything on the page. So for anybody who's not sure what scripting is, it is, it's almost like the written form of um, visualization. So okay. it's allowing you to write in great detail using all of the senses that which you would want to have show up in your life. But there's something magical about pen and paper, you know, ink flowing yes. and things mm. just coming through you. And so every week um, I on a Sunday evening, around 10 o'clock every Sunday, I write um, three things that I'm grateful for, uh, 10, th sorry, 10 things that I'm grateful for. And then I go into detail around three things that I want to show up in my life and script that out in great detail. Um, and I've done that for as long as I can remember. Uh, but it, it did start, yeah, it did start when I was like a lot younger. So my mum came home from spiritual church one day and said, you need to write, you need to write all these things down and then you need to put it under this piece of paper on the windowsill put a crystal on top of it and then it's all going to happen and I'm, I'd be like yeah whatever mum <laughs> but I, would, I did like something must have gone in because I used to write on a four pieces of paper I used to pin it I wouldn't put it under the crystal but I'd pin, pin it to the cork board in my bedroom yeah and then every couple of months I would go back and I'd tick off all the things that had happened mm. um, and I found like after normally about a three month period was the, was the window of when things had happened. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd like put them there and forgot about them. And so I've just continued to do that uh, now writing in journals. And I do that every week. Um, so yeah, I've got oodles and oodles of journals of me just scripting various things across the years. So that's lovely. Uh -huh. Yeah. I have, I have lots of journals myself. When I was younger, I started them and it, they were dear diary kind of things. Yeah. And I didn't understand that. And, you know, in the business world, they talk about every goal that you write down, you have a certain percentage of higher percentage of actually accomplishing it. And um, so again, it's like a perspective shift. If you want to look at this from the business side, you can say, yep, when you write stuff down, you're more likely to do it. Mm -hmm. And there's something, I love the way you put it. There's just the ink flowing out of the pen. Um, you know, even for my, I'm kind of like in my Facebook group and in my podcast and in my uh, membership group, I teach th this rhythm of weekly looking back and looking forward. Um, I don't take it quite as far as 10 things that I'm grateful for. And I'm going to get into that because I know that we've got something special to talk about for you, but um, 10, I don't go necessarily, I go through wins, but mm -hmm. now it's like, I can even make that a little deeper and go through some things. Maybe I could even say that I'm grateful for the wins that I've had. And then, um, yeah. And it, my, my journal or my, my planner actually asks me, what are three things that I'm going to do better next week? And I'm like, oh, this is an easy shift. I, <laughs> I can easily just take this habit that you've described as something that works really well for you and kind of translate it into what I already have that I do on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit about gratitude and then we're going to talk about some some green flags and some advice, but um, do you find that gratitude is the one thing, it's the one place where people need to start? Um, because my understanding is, because last year I know you did a gratitude challenge, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. And my understanding is you're going to do another one this year. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Um, I do believe that gratitude is the basis of 
being able to manifest and you know appreciate what we've already got but then being mm. able to to look forward and think about you know what else would I like to have in my life as well um, and I think when we're grateful for what we already have we're able to attract more things into our life to to be grateful for Mm. and having that awareness so I did it last year because everyone had had a terrible 2020 and it was just you know I just wanted to give back I, you know I wanted people to yeah. have a space to think actually has it been as bad a year as what we think because everybody was hearing the same thing in the news that like it's been a year from you know yeah you know so I just wanted to do it to give back and it kind of more it's morphed into something else and it's kind of becoming a firm pillar of my my business now so and it makes sense because I do you know firmly believe that gratitude is where it where it all starts I think that's really um I think it's important to recognize because we don't mm-hmm. um I don't think we do recognize that if we're not grateful for what we have we can't even let go and open our hands for anything else mm-hmm. and um so I I love that so you're going to be doing that um December the month of December of this year yeah of so 2021 starts- yeah, it starts on the first, yeah, 2021. Like what year 2021. Is it feels like a very long year. Um, yeah, so 1st of December, I'm going to be starting it all over again. And some people say, why, you know, it's the busiest month of the year. Why are we doing that? But actually, you know what? It, that's that's probably a really good reason to do it because it is busy yeah. and we still need to hold on to the things that we're grateful for. And just being around other people who celebrating, you know, life. And, yeah. you know, we had a really fun time, you know, last year. When I did it. You did it. And when we got to Christmas I time, everybody was like sharing the new pajamas that they'd got for Christmas. <laughs> and, you know, everyone was just, you know, finding gratitude in everyday things. So it was, yeah. it was nice. It was a nice. So we will definitely link to that. You're doing that one inside your Facebook group or just yeah. in general? Okay. I'm so, going to do it in um, the Facebook group. Yeah. Okay. So we will definitely link to that so that people can find it. And um, so, really quick, for since you have worked with a lot of entrepreneurs who have, shifted into, you know, shifted from corporate into entrepreneur work or just your own journey yourself. When we're talking about somebody figuring out their own mission or figuring out how they want to work, or maybe even doing the type of work that you do, um, something that seems very different from what they've been doing in the past. Um, what are some, we like, we like to talk about green flags. What, what should they look for in themselves to be able to see, oh yes, that's something that would show me I could do that. I think if they are so in terms of doing the work that I do like if they, if they were thinking about doing the sure. same kind of thing yeah so I think if you are somebody who connects dots you know you see things you're able to look back on the journey if you've had a long journey already and you're thinking I'm still not quite where I need to be you might be able to connect the dots you might be able to see things connecting and what what is that story telling you mm. um I think um being an empath and being intuitive and following your gut and knowing that it's okay to follow you know when I took that that leap that final leap of I can't do this job anymore I don't know how it's going to pan out but I have to do it if I didn't have that gut intuition and feeling of actually this is the right path for me then I would never have taken that that step and I think being a seeker of knowledge is something that I am and always will be and looking for the meaning in everything probably too much sometimes but um I like to I like I like the story I like the moral I like you know I like Mm. I like to be able to help others from my own experiences Mm. and I think if some if you're also good at telling stories and turning that knowledge into something that's going to inspire others then again that's a green flag for me 
So taking that one step further, Mm -hmm. if they see these green flags, what Mm -hmm. should be their next steps? I mean, obviously you said working on mindset, but what are some other things? I mean, I I would say you need to stop, you know, as somebody who's creates visions for a living is to really Mm. give yourself that time and space to think about what do I actually want to be doing three months, six months, five years down the line, however long that is for you and taking time out to create that vision in so much detail not Mm. thinking too much about the how right away but getting it all down on paper and thinking yeah that that lights me up inside that's what I want to do and then creating that action plan and creating that time frame and working through if there's some mindset barriers that come up working through those um, and making sure you've got the resources what what things do you need to help you to get you to where you want to go um, but the first step comes from you know creating that vision in the first place and getting really clear on that and know that you can change you know we change I've yeah. changed so many times you can change at any point doesn't matter how far down the road you are but if you have got those green flags and you think there's more to life and yeah is, I want to be doing something different then start with the vision start 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 with the vision because how many people Beth do we talk to and mm-hmm. say there's got to be more Mm-hmm. right well, there's got to be more to life there's I, I'm made for more than this it's like mm-hmm. well yeah <laughs> and yet I find that it can be a very scary process mm-hmm. um, to say this is what I want it feels selfish it feels um, it feels self-centered it it feels uh, like who am I to ask for that or you know and so those are the kinds of mindset barriers right that come up mm-hmm. and um, but I like that it's nice and flexible. It can be flexible. Um, the other piece too, and you can speak to this really quickly. Do you find that, um, people tend to have a vision that they think they want. And then when they get halfway through it, they're like, Oh, wait a minute. That's really, that's only half or that's, that's, I thought that's what it was, but the reality is this is actually coming up above that. And this is really the vision and not necessarily bigger, just a little bit different. Well, it depends. So sometimes, you know, I don't, I don't know if in, in terms of coaching, if you use like the wheel of life yep. uh, tool, um, and sometimes we can go into one of those areas and create a vision, but then sometimes we look at the holistic vision. Ah. So it depends, and it depends how people want to approach their life. Some people sure. find the holistic one is fine, but sometimes people feel that's too big of a chunk to, to work with. So um, it, it varies from client to client, I would say. Gotcha. But yes, and it can, it can it can change along the way as well. Okay. This has been fascinating. I knew it would be. And I just, I love your insights and I love how we come at very similar things from mm-hmm. different angles. I do and well. I think that's, that's just the beauty of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so where's the best place for people to find you? Um, so you can go to my website, which is bethhewitt.com. Um, or you can visit my podcast, which is visualize you, uh, where I talk about those pivotal moments people who've changed direction and taken that leap of faith to follow their soul's calling um and sometimes some of those stories you know they're not choices sometimes life is thrust mm. upon us and, and we are forced to make those changes as well so um there's all kinds of inspiring stories on there there really are y'all it's a good podcast and um you, so you know much. you've you've listened to her it's you're welsh right no nope. <laughs> nope. <I> welsh <laughs> i'm a dumb american i'm I'm from Yorkshire in the UK. Yorkshire. Yeah. 
<laughs> You've listened to her beautiful lilt, this beautiful lilting accent. Um, the rest of the podcast, her podcast is all like that. It's beautiful. And, um, and the other nice thing too, about having somebody that's not necessarily all on one continent is that you get different perspectives. We finally, uh-huh. you know, it's like we open up to this global understanding that people are all the same and we all have the same wants and desires and needs. And yet we all have different experiences and everybody's story is relevant and everybody's story tells something new. So please forgive me um, for no, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that. That's your giggle for the day. Um, so before we leave, you do have your gratitude um, challenge coming up and we will put the link for that in the show notes. Where's the best place for them to go really quickly though, if they wanted to find that. Um, so if you go to bethhewitt.com forward slash gratitude dash challenge. Okay. So we'll put all of that in the show notes so you can find it. And it is, it's easy and it's fun and it's really nice. It's people all over the world participating, Uh talking about their things that they're grateful for. And, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes. And even though it is the busiest time of the year, there are ways in which we slow down more. Um, You know, kids are out of school and, you know, that kind of stuff. So um, it's a really, it's a really nice thing to, um, to do. Is there anything else that you have that, that you'd like to share with us really quick? Um, No, I mean, looking forward to people taking part in the challenge and it's you know it's not just about everyday gratitude but I will kind of teach you building on those muscles you know what are your superpowers what's your zone of genius and just building Mm. up those muscles so when things happen in life that are difficult and hard you've got the tools and skills to actually you know first of all feel all the feels and emotions and go through all of that we have to do all of that but also there comes a point where you can actually flip it on its head and go actually what can I take from this experience and Mm. how can I find gratitude in what is potentially a not very nice situation but also to use gratitude every day when you are having a nice time so yeah it'll be lovely to see people enjoy that cool and you get all kinds of new people and meet new friends which is really awesome so before we close the thing we always ask our guests is what is the one thing that you can always be optimistic about even when everybody else thinks you're crazy when everybody oh you've you've i don't know i find gratitude so easy so (laughs) what what is the one thing i can be do you know, just, I'm, I'm grateful just every day now, just doing the thing that I love to do, you know, just waking up every morning and just doing that. So if I can look in the mirror every day and go, do you know what, today's going to be a good day because I'm getting to do the thing that I love, then that's a good positive for me. And that, you know, sometimes it's like, <laughs> I drop my son off at school. Today's going to be a good day. Right. You know, it's just like, it is. <laughs> but being able to say, having that confidence that today is going to be a good day because I'm doing what I love. That's really encouraging to others that they can actually find that space. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, I do the same. So when I drop my daughter off at school, the, the last thing that I say to her every single time is have a lovely day, have a lovely mm. day. And I, I mean, she must've heard that a million, I don't know how many times now, yeah. but I think it does leave a little, you know, have a lovely I, day. I'm going to plant every seed I can. <laughs> <laughs> every seed and, of I, have a lovely day. You know, he's a, he's a, about to be 13 and he'll get out of the car and he'll give me a thumbs up, you know, and, oh, he, and my husband, and I talk about, he still says, I love you, mom, you know, and, um, and, but it's different dropping off than picking up. <laughs> that's, like, that's the end of a long day. <laughs> but, um, I love that, uh, that we can, we can get to the place where we can be optimistic that today's going to be a good day because we're doing what we love. So, yeah. 
um, everybody listening know that you can get to a place where you're doing what you love. And that may or may not be in a job. It may be as your own boss. And they every single one of those scenarios holds a challenge, but you can figure out what that is. And um, Beth can help you or I can help you. And um, so thank you so much for being here. This was a real treat. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. One thing I'm noticing with each new interview is how young most of these women were when they noticed they could actually lead. No, they didn't understand it was leadership at the time, but as they look back over their lives, they see themselves as leaders at very early ages. Now for Beth, she mentioned her earliest memory of what I would call conventional leadership as a young adult, tossed into a role she did not realize would turn her into an expert by virtue of her being the first and only one to actually do the job. However, the work that she does now, teaching clients how to create and work through their own vision, is something she identified as showing up at, what, age four? Really young. What's beautiful to me is that eventually she came back to herself, that young girl who just visualized this thing in the future and knew it would happen. Now, I want to look at how Beth lives out the tenets of intentional optimism. And I do this, and I've not really explained it before, Because we all live unique and different lives with totally different jobs and careers, strengths and skills. So what we do is different. Intentional optimism is how we do what we do. It's the attitudes and mindsets that we employ and embody to live out our own goals and dreams with excellence and leadership. So how does Beth embody the tenets of intentional optimism? She's optimistic. Gosh, how can you talk to someone who's in the business of helping others visualize and manifest their dreams and not see the hope, confidence, and proactivity involved? She's super present. She's committed to finding and experiencing the wonder around her, which is part of what gave her the courage to actually seek out and see where she needed to make changes. The wonder was absent. Now at age 13, she went out and found a job because she wanted to make her own way in the world. Talk about industrious. Boy, does that show up. Now she's certainly courageous. I mentioned that just a minute ago, but you really need to hear her serial quitter story. I've put a link to that particular episode, which happens to be number one of her podcast in the show notes. She ruthlessly pursues what lights her up until she finds it. She's undaunted. And she's wise, of course. She's been around the block. She's experienced life. And she chooses to see all the sides. She's interested in the spiritual nature of things and situations, yet is willing to set boundaries in order to both protect and build respect for herself and others. And she's extremely intentional. How do you not visualize things and not be intentional? She is fueled by her why, holding that vision out for herself and for others. And being able to walk us through that process, what a gift. Beth is unconventional in her leadership because her passion for helping others reach their full potential is a reflection of her core values that include things like listening, motivating, and inspiring people. These make her a beautiful role model of what's possible when we discover our strengths and tap into our own skills and experiences to create a life we love. Now, her own journey of constantly learning what works for her and where she can excel is a beautiful, unique example of growing in order to fit your dreams. 
unconventional leaders like Beth lead at every level in any area using their unique gifts. Do you hear yourself in Beth's story? Or are there things that she brought up that really sparked an idea or an inspiration for you? My biggest takeaway is that no matter what you want to achieve, gratitude is where you start. You know, I have to admit, that was more than a little convicting for me. I have to recognize in looking at myself that this isn't usually my starting point. I usually start, and I know you can relate to this, with unsatisfaction. That's what makes us move, right? Supposedly, we're uncomfortable enough or unhappy enough that we finally make a change. But what if? What if, as Beth suggests, I become grateful for what I already have, making me more open to new and better things to come? This isn't really a foreign concept for me. My own spiritual practice follows the same principle. Expressing gratitude and thankfulness is a theme throughout the entire Bible, and expressing gratitude for the little things usually precedes some bigger blessings. I just don't always apply it to everyday life or to my business. Ouch! So what's next? Well, she pointed out a few things to look for in yourself if you're interested in helping others grow. I think they're really fabulous. First, are you someone who can connect the dots? Even if you connect them backwards, you can start to learn to look forward and connect them in the future. This is an invaluable skill. Next, are you empathetic and intuitive? This means that you have the ability to relate to and feel with or for another person. Do you have gut feelings? If so, do you trust them? And third, are you a seeker of knowledge? Gosh, I wish everyone could say yes to this one. But unfortunately, we can't. But this goes right along with the tenets of courage, tapping into that curiosity, and wise, seeking understanding. This just means you're willing to look, and when you're willing to look, you just might find. Next, she gave two pieces of advice to get you started, which are super practical. First, give yourself time and space to create a vision in detail. I've not done this formal activity, but it's something I'm ready to work on. And as I mentioned in our conversation, I just finished Cameron Harold's book, Vivid Vision, in which he outlines and describes this process, all the way down to the hammock he was in on his back deck writing his first one. But next, you need to act. Create the action plan, time frame, mindset barriers, and needed resources list. Now that sounds like a lot. But when you start to put that time frame down, trust me, mindset barriers will pop up whether you want them to or not. When you think about the resources you don't have, it's just a small flip of the sentence to outline what you do need instead. Remember, glass half full. And then her habit of daily and weekly scripting or that written form of visualization will get you moving in the right direction today. And specifically, she does this with gratitude. Each Sunday, she lists out 10 things that she's grateful for, and then she scripts out the details of three she would like to see happen in the next week. This is something I started this week based on this conversation. Instead of writing out my wins, I'm writing out the 10 things I'm grateful for. And then instead of three areas where I'll do better, I'm scripting out three things I'd like to see happen. Do you notice the subtle shift there? This is not huge, but I'm hoping it will make a huge difference. I'll let you know how it goes. I've just started, and this is a very new muscle for me. 
Now, if you'd like to work with me on this and support me and work with Beth, you can join us in her 28-day gratitude challenge starting in just two days from the release of this episode on December the 1st. However, if you're getting in on it a little bit late, don't worry, you can always join in progress. It runs through the entire month of December. To learn more about Beth and her gratitude challenge, head on over to her website. We've included that as well as all of her social media links for you in the show notes. Don't forget, you can connect to other intentional optimists just like Beth in our Facebook community. And if you're looking for some positive stuff in your feed for a change, just like the Intentional Optimist Facebook page or Instagram page. And if you're not on social media, you can subscribe to my newsletter, Optimistic Living. It's good stuff delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for spending some time with us today. If you love this podcast and find it to be uplifting and helpful, follow or subscribe, and then please just take a moment and leave a rating in one of those amazing five-star reviews. And it's even easier to listen and to share because now the podcast is available on Facebook, right there on the Intentional Optimist page. There's a podcast tab and all the episodes are right at your fingertips. If you love what we do here and you'd like to support us directly, you can buy me a coffee. Just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Andrea Johnson or click the link at the bottom of the show notes. Your support will enable us to serve more efficiently and effectively. Remember, unconventional leaders lead at every level in any area using their unique gifts. And you, my friend, are a leader. You are the future of leadership and the role models for future generations. Until next time. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you're an intentional optimist and you love this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review with a five-star rating. You can also snap a screenshot right where you're listening, share it to social media, and tag me. This helps others find us and will have an even bigger impact. If you're curious what it would be like to work more closely with me or just to step up as an unconventional leader yourself, I invite you to schedule a free discovery session to talk with me and learn more. Just email me at andrea at theintentionaloptimist.com. If you're looking for an encouraging and uplifting community on Facebook, hop on over and join the Intentional Optimist Group, women encouraging women from all over the globe. The community and email links are right here in the show description wherever you listen to the podcast. Until next time, remember, you're the answer. You are the future of leadership and the role models for future generations.